The Lord be with you. As you have repeatedly heard by now, I have just returned from the Holy Land. And both as I was preparing to go and since I returned, I have been repeatedly asked, were you worried about your safety? And I was always answer, of course not. And inside I would always think, of course I am. Because all I've ever heard about Israel and Palestine is bombs and rockets and a land of conflict, of land and religion that's gone on indefinitely. And at first I thought to myself, well, you know, this isn't going to be a problem because we started off around the Sea of Galilee, which is far from the conflict areas between Palestine and Israel. But after about three days there, I realized we were driving south to Bethlehem, which I did not realize until this trip is located in the Palestinian West Bank. Yeah? And when you approach Bethlehem, what you see... Let's see if this will work. What you'll see... Oh, there we go. Uh, There we go. What you see is this giant wall with razor wire on top of it. That's as you approach the city of Bethlehem. And just like you would going through most walls or border crossings, there's a a checkpoint where the van gets inspected to make sure we go through. Now, as tourists, we didn't have any problem. They, They mostly just waved us right on through. But I will say, as compared to most border crossings, what I noticed is that the soldiers who were checking us were Israelis who were fulfilling their mandatory military service when they're 18, which means the people with combat rifles look like teenagers who should be planning their prom instead of being in charge of our security. Oh, man, I think my clicker is just not going to work for me. Oh, there we go. Thank you. But I will say, of all these things, the most heart-stopping were these red signs that the Israeli government would put up as you prepared to enter into Palestinian territory. And it says, this road leads to Area A under the Palestinian Authority. The entrance for Israeli citizens is forbidden, dangerous to your lives, and is against the Israeli law. But apparently tourists come right in, because that's what we did. When we got to Bethlehem, we stayed in a very nice hotel. Nine floors, it had an all-you-can-eat buffet of delicious Mediterranean food, a full-service bar. And I will admit, there was a part of myself that said, you know what, I feel very safe right here. I feel very comfortable in this hotel. Maybe this is all I need to see of the West Bank. I'm just going to stay put. In his Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says to us, you are the salt of the earth. And salt is amazing. It gives flavor to food. It preserves food from spoiling. It's a necessary element. Our bodies literally cannot live without salt. And Jesus goes on to say, you are the light of the world. Light lets us see danger. It keeps us safe. Light lets us see beauty. It gives us hope. Light is necessary for photosynthesis, for plants to make the food that feeds all animal life on this earth. But for all the great things that light does, Jesus says, no one, after lighting a lamp, hides it under a bushel basket. Jesus says instead they hang it up on a lampstand so that it gives light to all in the house. 
And Jesus' point is, light by itself is useless. Light needs to exist with and for others. Otherwise, what's the point? You don't light a lamp and put it under a basket. Light doesn't exist for itself. It exists for others, and that is true also of salt. Right? People love to pour out salt on popcorn, on pork, on potatoes, but no one just takes a spoonful of salt and gobbles it down. Right? That's disgusting. Salt with food, delicious. Salt by itself, disgusting. And here's the thing. Salt... While it may be essential for our bodies to live in certain quantities, too much of it gets dangerous real fast. So when I was in Israel, we got to go visit the Dead Sea, and I discovered, sure enough, I float real well in that water. And the reason I float so well in the water of the Dead Sea is because it is ten times the concentration of salt as the oceans. But you know what that ten times concentration of salt does? It kills everything else in the Dead Sea. That's why it's called the Dead Sea. Nothing can live if you just put that much salt in it. Salt, for all its amazing properties, cannot exist for itself. It must exist for others. Otherwise, it is worthless, fit to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. Now look, we live in a scary world. There's no doubt about that. And... I feel just as much as anyone else the need to hide, to bunker myself behind walls, to arm myself with weapons, to isolate myself from anyone who's different than me, to say, I'm going to keep myself safe by looking out for number one. But Jesus tells us, by telling us that we are salt, by telling us that we are light, that simply isolating ourselves. It leads not only to spiritual death, it robs this world of what it so desperately needs for life and for hope, which is you. And so, despite the fact that I was very comfortable in my hotel, I realized that we didn't come halfway around the world never to leave the lobby. And so, uh, the first night we were there in Bethlehem, Lillette, my mom, a couple of others, and I, we, we ventured out into Bethlehem. And our hotel is one block away from what's called Manger Square. It's the main plaza. It's called Manger Square because on one end is the church built on top of the spot where Jesus was born. And I figured, I can't go to the spot where Jesus' mom gave him birth and not take a picture with my mom too, right? So there you go. And on the other side of this same plaza is a mosque. They sit right across from each other. And in between the mosque and the church, there is this plaza, and this plaza is teeming with life. There are people with carts selling coffee and falafel. There are children playing in the fountain that changes colors and lights. And and people would call out to us. We don't need to go quite that far on the slides. People were calling out to us saying hello. They were delighted to see us. Some of them, of course, wanted to sell us scarves. That's to be expected. But most of them were just happy to see us there, mixing in with them. And as the week went on, all our guides, while we were on our trip, all of them were Palestinians and all of them were Christians. And they took us to their favorite karaoke bar in Bethlehem. It's a place called Cheers. This is it. 
they taught us, you know, to sing karaoke and to dance traditional Palestinian dances, and we shared the international language of having one too many drinks and making fools of ourselves together. We bonded, yes. And then on Sunday, we went to the local Lutheran church in Bethlehem. It's a church that was built by Germans about a century ago, but the current congregation is all Palestinians. They all speak Arabic. Their worship service was entirely in Arabic. And in our, in our next picture, you can see there's German stained glass, and on the top, in the cupola there, is Arabic writing that says, Glory to God in the highest. Right? It's called Christmas Lutheran Church because it's built in Bethlehem. And what do the angels sing on Christmas? Glory to God in the highest, and peace to God's people on earth. To say, we may not have understood a single word that the pastor said in his sermon, but the liturgy was exactly the same as what we have here. And because of that, we got the gist of the message. We understood that we were sharing Christ's love, that we were united as God's children. And there was no greater proof that we were united as siblings in Christ with our Palestinian brothers and sisters than the fact that after worship they shared with us that most sacred Lutheran sacraments, coffee hour. And I will tell you what, the coffee they serve there is amazing. It's called Turkish coffee. It's boiled down so it's got a thicker consistency and it's mixed with cardamom. Delicious. Here's the thing. After spending a week in Bethlehem, a place where when I had gone, I had only been able to see the news reports of violence and hatred. What I realized is the Palestinian people that I met, my siblings in Christ in that place, they were the light of the world for me. They let me see the beauty of the kingdom of heaven that was present even there in Palestine. And when I could only taste fear in my mouth about being this place that I had read so much about with its dangers... My Palestinian siblings in Christ, they were the salt of the earth for me. They allowed me to taste the goodness of the heavenly banquet that we share together in Jesus. That's what I realized there with them. And, and I realized when I was with these Palestinians, I felt completely safe, not in spite of the fact that they were Palestinians, but because of the fact that these were people who were clearly living not just for themselves, but for others. They were living for me in that moment. And so they were surrounding me in God's love and God's protection. And I say this to you without any naivety, right? Without any belief that there is an easy peace for Israel and Palestine. I say this to you because person after person we met, we would ask, what do you think? Are things getting better here? Is the younger generation more open-minded than their parents? And to the person, every single local answered, no. They answered, it's getting worse. The young people on both sides are getting more radicalized. And their reason was this. All those walls, all those checkpoints, all those signs, they're designed to keep Israelis and Palestinians apart from each other. Separated, not mixing. And as a result, they say, there's so many young Israelis who know nothing about Palestinians other than the message they've been told that the Palestinians want to harm them, want to wipe them off the face of the earth. And, and on the flip side, the Palestinians, the young ones, they've never lived in a time when Israelis and Palestinians could mix together. And so all they know about Israelis is that they want to keep them locked up 
and apart. And so they say, why should we keep going with this system that we have? And on both sides, the young people think the only solution is to wipe out the other. Salt that's concentrated by itself, it kills. Light that is not allowed to shine for others is useless. And when I asked the Palestinian people that I met, I said, what hope do you have? What change could there be? Their answer was, our hope is in Jesus. They said, that's the only way things will change if we live out what Jesus taught us, that if we love the Israelis, like Jesus tells us to, even before they love us. And what that means is, we need to be able to interact and mix with them, and they need to be able to mix with us. And after they would say this to us, they would thank us. They would thank us for being there. At the church, they thanked us. They thanked us at the karaoke bar. People, random people would come up to us on the street and they would thank us for being there. They would say things like, thank you for staying with us here. Thank you for not being afraid. They would say, thank you for not just coming to see the church and leaving, but staying to see us, to see the people. That's what they wanted, to be seen, to be mixed with. And I realized by the time I left Bethlehem that not only had they been salt and light for me, but that we had been salt and light for them. We had been the salt that allowed them to taste the pride of their place and of their culture. We had been the light that allowed them to see that the rest of the world had not forgotten them, did not hate them. We were the ones who were giving them hope in that moment because we were mixing with them. After Jesus says that you are the light of the world, that you are the salt of the earth, Jesus goes on in his Sermon on the Mount to say that he has come not to abolish the law but to fulfill it. And then he goes on to say that unless our righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and of the Pharisees, we will never enter the kingdom of heaven. That's a tough call, right? Because the scribes and the Pharisees are famous for the ways in which they closely study Scripture, for the ways in which they are scrupulous in living out every single one of God's commandments. How in the world are we supposed to exceed them in their righteousness? In this way, the righteousness of a Pharisee exists for one person, for themselves, to make sure that they are right with God. But Jesus tells us that all the law is fulfilled in loving both God and our neighbor. The call of followers of Jesus is that our righteousness exists not for ourselves, it exists for others. It exists so that others might have hope and joy, and life on this earth. And in this way, in allowing our righteousness to be for more than just us, but to be for others, in this way we exceed the righteousness of the Pharisees. And in this way we enter the kingdom of heaven. Because the kingdom of heaven is not a place packed full of salt by itself where everything is left to die. No, the kingdom of heaven is a place where all God's children are mixed together, bursting with beauty and with flavor. Look, 
There are plenty of places that have problems, not just Palestine. In the two weeks that we were over there, in the Holy Land, there was one mass shooting. In that same time in California, there were three. There are so many people who are afraid, who cannot taste the joy of God's banquet, who cannot see the hope of heaven, who instead hide themselves behind walls, who bunker themselves with weapons and ammunitions and turn them on each other. Which is why Jesus says, you are the salt of the earth. Because you are the people that God has sent to remind this world how good the heavenly banquet in Jesus tastes. You are the light of the world because God has sent you when people can't see any hope. You are the light that shines on God's goodness and beauty to restore people's spirits. You are the one sent that together we may go forth mixing with others and enter the kingdom of heaven as one people. And this may sound like a tall order to you, but salt, it doesn't have to work at being salty. It just is. Light, it doesn't have to work at shining. It just does. That is what God has made them to do, and it is what God has made you to do also. When Paul writes to the Corinthians and he explains to them how he introduced them to Jesus, he said, my speech and my proclamations were not with plausible human wisdom, but with demonstrations of the Spirit and with power, so that your faith in Christ Jesus might not rest on human wisdom, but on the power of God. God's greatest power is love. And the greatest demonstration of the Spirit is simply to show up for someone in need. And I know you people of faith, you do this. So many of you do this every single day, and so many of you want to do this, but don't know how. Which is why next Sunday after worship, we're going to have a conversation as a congregation. It's going to be a conversation about how we can be salt and light, not just for our local congregation, not just for us, but how we can be salt of the earth, how we can be light of the world. It'll be a conversation about how we can live out Christ's call through acts of service to our community, how we can proclaim the message of Jesus, not with words of wisdom, but with acts of power and love with demonstrations of the Spirit by showing up to people in need. I invite you to come and be a part of that conversation because when this world cannot taste the joy of the heavenly banquet, remember, you are salt of the earth. And when this world cannot see the hope of heaven, remember, you are the light of the world. May we share our lives so that all of us enter this kingdom of heaven together. Amen.